Thank you for joining us for episode six of Head Start. It's a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. Now, student ministry leaders, you may recognize that you didn't actually start receiving these podcasts until episode five. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure this out. Uh, and so we're uh, just running a little trial and, and we're really happy that you're with us now and looking and hoping that this is a helpful tool for you as you prepare to lead a lesson with students, just as our adults are doing also. So um, before we step into our content, I'd like to talk uh, just briefly about uh, our our goal. Let's just keep in mind, leaders, keep in mind what our target is for um, life groups at Liberty. Our focus is that of discipleship, right? Uh, that's the end goal. As you think of a, a bullseye, uh, the center of that bullseye would be discipleship. Now, getting to discipleship, we're going to experience a number of things. We're experience Bible study and relationships. Uh, we're going to pray together. We're going to see restoration. Hopefully, we'll see transparency in uh, just real relationships, doing life together. We'll do missional things together. We'll fellowship together. We'll, we'll experience the, 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 um, the lows because we're all going to have them, and we'll also celebrate together. Uh, so those are things that, that's part of who we are in life group. But let's never forget that our focus is that of discipleship. And one of the ways, and I believe the best way that we're going to get to that spot is through the application of God's Word to our lives. So, leaders, let me just encourage you and remind you a big way that we're hoping to accomplish that is through our Live It Outs. Uh, that's a part of every lesson. We simplified some years ago. Uh, uh, we're passage-based. Our, our in the worship centers or the during the sermons, you're going to hear a passage preached. You're going to talk about that passage. And then we're very intentional, have a live it out to where we're challenging the people in our groups that then go and apply that passage to their lives. So leaders, please, be sure to leave room to include in uh, to to include the live it out in your lesson uh, each Sunday. Be sure to have space for that. And then not only that, to challenge your group to apply that passage to their life as they walk out into the week, but then next Sunday when you begin the lesson, to remind them to bring it back up and say, and this is the soft accountability. Hey, how did it go? How did it go applying the passage last week into our lives? Some weeks, it's going to be a celebration because you got a few folks that just really, God really did some really cool things. There may be some weeks where it's like, uh, what passage? <laughs> and, and I mean, that's just real. It just really is. But we've got to be guilty of that soft accountability, okay? So life group leaders, be sure to include the live it out in your lessons at the end and at the beginning as well. All right, so with that in mind, uh, we need to talk about something that's uber important. Very important. It, it is, and, and we just actually rolled past, and I didn't know this, and Ashley sent a text a message in our group me saying that this past Sunday, we were six months away from Christmas. Can you <sighs> believe that? Okay. It's crazy. So here's the question that begs to be asked, and we must have an answer for this, is it, we're six months away from Christmas. When can Christmas music begin to be played? I need to know uh, the answer to this question. I have a very firm answer uh, in my mind, but I'd love to hear both Brian and Kyle, your thoughts on this. 
I'm anticipating that we're all going to be exactly the same. Okay. That's that's okay. my expectation here. Y- yes. So, who wants to go? F- I, I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to go first. Here, here's. I have a very traditional uh, thought on this: that Christmas music does not begin until after Thanksgiving. Praise God. I I think you're spot on there. Okay. The Friday after Thanksgiving. I'm is good with when that. Black yes. Friday is when it can begin. So I'm, I'm actually, I have a very specific opinion uh, okay. here that it is after the, like, you don't have to wait until midnight on that Friday, right? Because Black Friday shopping has mm-hmm. kind of crept in uh, to Thursday night, which we could have another conversation sure. probably about the appropriateness of that. Sure. Uh, but I'm of the opinion that the best time to start listening to Christmas music is on your journey to Black Friday shop, if that's okay. the kind of thing yeah. that you do. There so. you go. That's uh, good. That's good. <laughs> used to be three o'clock in the morning <laughs> or whatever. A lot more specific than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. 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 No. I, I, and I told I told them before we started uh, recording just that I'm overruled by uh. Jenna and the kids uh, in this. I mean, we will watch Christmas movies in probably August or something. Oh. oh my goodness! It will happen. <laughs> no way. It will happen. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, I, Kyle. I only have so many votes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is true. Yeah. Yeah. Running out so of votes. Choose, choose your battles, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last Sunday, we started the Heroes Sermon Series. Uh, and this Sunday, we continue in that. Sunday number two, we'll be looking at Elijah uh, and First uh, Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 40. And so, Kyle, if you'd just sort of give us an overview as our leaders prepare to lead this lesson. Yeah, well, we're going to be obviously talking about Elijah and probably the most famous uh, of the events of his life that really make him stand out among the Old Testament prophets, and that would be the confrontation between him and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And so you have Elijah kind of coming out of nowhere in the middle of First Kings um, and predicting that there's going to be this drought in, in the land of Israel. And that's not just him coming up with something. That's really him relying on God's word because back in Leviticus and back in Deuteronomy, when it came to the blessings and curses of the law, there was this promise from God, hey, if you turn away from me, I am going to dry up the rains. I am going, the land is going to go through a famine. So he's speaking. His prophecy is not predicting something out of the blue. It is taking God's word and applying it to what's happening in Israel. They have turned away from God. They've turned away from Yahweh as the, the true and living God, and they're worshiping Baal. They're worshiping um, you know, these other gods. And so Elijah is just predicting what the God said was going to happen in the first place. And so uh, after three years of of, uh, this drought, you can imagine the desperation of the people of Israel. And Ahab has been looking for Elijah. He thinks Elijah is the problem. And uh, after three years, uh, the Lord says, it's time to uh, go and show yourself to to Ahab. So Ahab uh, finds Elijah. Elijah shows up uh, to Ahab and and they exchange insults with one another. Ahab says, "You're the troubler of, of Israel," and Elijah's like, "No, you are the troubler of uh, you know uh, of Israel." And it's all about uh, this: you have led God's people, probably worse than any other king before you, 
to worship other gods rather than Yahweh. So now is the time um, for us to come together and face one another. So he says, he issues this challenge to Ahab. Go get all of those prophets of Baal and the, the prophets of Asherah who you have wined and dined at your royal table. You've taken care of them while all the other people have been suffering in this famine. You bring them to the mountain, and, and, and we're going to have a test. We're going to have a competition here. And so uh, these uh, Ahab goes, sure, we'll, we'll do this. Um, and he summons these prophets of Baal to meet Elijah. And you can just imagine this scene here on this mountain in the middle of a drought, you've got 450 worshipers of the, the storm god or the rain god who is Baal, and you have um, Elijah, a lone prophet of Yahweh, mm. and he says, we're going to have a competition, um, and we're going to do this because you people, all, all of Israel who is gathered to watch this, this is a really intriguing you know competition he says you people uh, have lingered too long between two two opinions here between two gods are you going to continue to worship Baal or are you going to worship God you can't have both you've Mm -hmm. been limping between these two these two opinions it's time to choose and and that really harkens back to Joshua Uh, you know Joshua's looking looking at the people saying, yes, choose this day who you're going to follow. As for me and my house, we're going to follow Yahweh. Um, And so Elijah is just summoning the people. It's time to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think um, there's a great question that comes up in the life group material here. Uh, And and one of the things that just generally we're going to have to help our folks do during this is connect, um, you know, and we do this all the time. What are the false gods of today, Mm -hmm. right? So we have a we have a tendency to either land in one of two camps. Either we despiritualize everything and we say that, you know, demons aren't real anymore and everything is just kind of the way that it actually appears. There's no spiritual forces behind all of this. We land in that camp or we land in the total opposite side and we spiritualize everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a God behind every corner and, you know, the, the demons are after us and all that other kind of thing. The biblical approach is, is um, recognizing that they are there, right? That we do not wage war against flesh and blood, uh, but we wage war against enemies in the heavenly places. But at the same time, um, not over-spiritualizing everything. I say all that to say, uh, when we look around at the landscape of our lives, our daily experiences today, uh, you're going to have to help your folks, your students, your adults, navigate that question, what are the other false gods that are around us today? And then, I love this question in the curriculum, um, what builds your confidence in the Lord, the God of the Bible, as the only one true God? What is it that builds your confidence to say he's the only one who's worthy of worship? Is it history? Is it that your family has chosen to worship this God for as long as you know? Is it that you were born and raised in the church? Uh, what, what, What is it that leads you to say he's the one true God? It's good. Yeah, and, and so uh, really connecting what's going on here with those other gods in our culture and those gods that we, we set up within our own hearts will be crucial to connecting this with uh, today, life today for, for our people. Um, because, 
you know, you may not go up on the hill uh, or be <laughs> under every shady tree offering sacrifices to false gods, but every single one of us is tempted um, by different idols to set them up in our hearts and, and go after whether it's people's approval or comfort and uh, security or financial success or whatever it is, and the kind of elaborate worship that these Baal prophets try to give in order to get some sort of response for their God, well, we will give the same kind of blood, sweat, and tears to serve those idols in our own hearts. And right, so right. Um, to see that these people are not so different than us yeah. uh, in, in, in that sense. So you, d you see uh, Elijah lets them go first, and he says, you set up the, the altar, you uh, get, it, get it prepared, and they dance around for hours trying to call out to the storm god. Just give us some, just one strike of lightning here is all we need. Um, and they dance around, and, and obviously the futility of that comes to the forefront here. They even go so far as cutting themselves um, in the sense of we want to win your approval. And I'm telling you, um, as crazy as that sounds to our modern ears, we do the same kinds of things with the gods that we are tempted to go after and to give uh, the preeminent place in our lives. And so whether it's I will spend my life in order to get something out of this idol or I will punish myself mm -hmm. when that idol doesn't deliver, these things happen. Um, these things happen today. Well, obviously, because Baal is not a god, uh, nothing happens. And Elijah has had fun at their expense mocking them and just making some crazy statements, funny statements, as you read it uh, about this God, because he knows there's only one true God, yeah. and, and, and that's Yahweh. So they get done. They've exhausted themselves. Nothing has happened. And so Elijah takes the stage, and he begins to repair the altar to the Lord. He begins to, he takes 12 stones, and this is reminding the people who are all watching, hey, this yeah. is our covenant God. Yeah. This is not just a random God. This is a God who has made a covenant with us, the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, he sets up this altar. He says, hey, dump some water on this thing. I don't want you thinking there's any trick here. I don't want you thinking I'm pulling the wool over your eyes here. No, this thing is doused with water. Mm -hmm. Like, it is soaked. Mm -hmm. And um, and then he offers this prayer, and he just he just a very uh, compared to the elaborate nature mm, yeah. of the worship of uh, of Baal, he just speaks to God uh, in this prayer, and I, th I think there's a question in the curriculum related to that. Yeah, there is, and you set it up well. Uh, the curriculum asks, what is the significance of Elijah's prayer being shorter and simpler uh, than that of the other prophets? Um, this reminded me when I was looking through this of, you know, Jesus's words when he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And he said, hey, don't be like the Gentiles who think that they're going to be heard because of the multitude of words that they use. Um, now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray long prayers or spend long amounts of time in prayer. But it's this short, simple, you know, just really beautiful moment where Elijah just there's no there's no dancing. There's no cutting himself. There's no extravagant measures, none of that. He just asks the Lord, hey, I know that you're the one true God. Would you prove it to these people today? I think of Paul in his writings, and he 
He said oftentimes he would say, I didn't come to you with eloquent words. I didn't come to you with all these fancy speeches. I just came in the spirit, and I want to make him known, right? I think of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek you first the kingdom of God. We're going to seek something, and that's, that's evident what you're talking about, Kyle, as far as the idols. You know, that, that was Baal, but our idols are different. We're going to seek something. We must seek, make that decision and seek God first. Well, and it's important for us to remember and for our people to remember um, that, as James 5 says, Elijah was a man just like us. Mm. Like, we're doing this hero series, mm. and we can yeah. be tempted to set them up as, like, this was a special class of mm -hmm. believer. He's a, he's just a man. He was, in fact, yeah. it, I think it's the next chapter is. where so Elijah is yeah. fleeing <laughs> from Jezebel. So, yeah. um, you know, so he had his faults. He had his sin um, because only Christ is the one that we can look to for perfection. But but Elijah was just a simple man who was being obedient to God's word. And as he prayed, uh, God moved powerfully. So, you know, what does a hero look like? It looks like a man or a woman of God who is simply obedient to the Lord and calls out to the Lord based on God's word and his promises. So um, Elijah offers this simple prayer, and yes, Yahweh demonstrates that he alone is God. Fire falls down from heaven and just licks up everything. Everything, the, the offering, the water, everything is uh, taken away. And then Elijah says to the people, uh, well, well, the people see all this and they fall down, which is the only appropriate response uh, to such an outpouring of God's glory and holiness and, and power. They fall down, whereas they had once been silent when he said, choose this day. Right now, after God's demonstration of power, um, they, they fall down and, and they, are, they belong to Yahweh. They know that. I was going to jump in there because, uh, and this is just in the backside of that prayer, what Elijah says, you know, answer me, an uh, answer me, Lord, answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God. And then this phrase, and that you have turned their hearts back. Right, so God's concerned for his glory yep. among his people yeah. in this passage. But it would be really easy for that fire to fall down and just go ahead and consume all the Israelites oh, too who have turned in idolatry. But rather than doing that, Elijah reveals this, sec this, this, this portion of the heart of God mm -hmm. that is to turn his people's hearts back to him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a worthwhile prayer for all of us to, oh, to yeah. pray and, and something that, that we then get to see happen. Yeah. Well, and then uh, the the final verse of this passage is something that your people may raise their eyebrows at. Elijah turns to the people of Israel and says, all right, seize all the prophets of Baal, take them down uh, to the brook uh, Kishon or Kishon and slaughter them there. Now, um, there are points in the Old Testament where we have to remember we're in the Old Testament, and this is a theocracy, meaning that Israel is led by God and government and in, in political, in, in, in their political realm. 
And one of the things in Deuteronomy that God said was, if there are any leaders within you that rise up and try to turn the, the hearts of the people to go worship other gods, that person should be executed mm -hmm. because he's, he's concerned for the people's heart, the nation as a whole. And so what Elijah is doing here is not some personal vendetta against these, these uh, prophets of Baal. He's following the law, the, the Mosaic law that said, if you are trying to lead the people astray from Yahweh, you deserve punishment by death. And so Elijah is just, again, following God's word. Now, today, we don't call for the execution of people who are, who are turning the hearts of people away from from the Lord. Instead, we call them to repentance. We call them to return to the Lord. And so we leave that sort of vengeance or judgment in the hands of God. And evidently, this is also, not evidently, definitely, this is a preview of what will happen to all people who are not part of God's kingdom in his timing when he returns. And so right. that's not left to human authority to, to carry out uh, because we are no longer in a theocracy. So um, just uh, understand that last, that last verse is certainly eye-opening and, and may raise some questions in your group. I do just want to press, you know, before we head to the end here, um, life group leaders, do, do read that next chapter. And be sure to familiarize yourself with the fact that Elijah comes off of this literally mountaintop experience with the Lord where he sees God move in a way that, you know, most of us never have. Um, and then he pretty much falls straight into depression and uh, loses his way, totally becomes afraid of a queen woman. Uh, and so it's not these these mountaintop moments with the Lord are not a safeguard against uh, depression and and the struggle that comes with being a, a follower of the Lord. So that's important to remember, just like Kyle said earlier. Yeah, yeah. And it's just an example of, again, the heroes of our faith were not perfect. Right. And um, so it is. if some of your people are dealing with that depression or that sorrow or fear, like, like Elijah, um, God is still with them, and, and God meets Elijah in that next chapter. So... Um, that's a great point, Brian. That really is. That's good. Well, hey, guys, I appreciate your insights. And, um, again, our goal here is to equip our leaders, uh, both adults and student ministry life group leaders, to be able to guide a conversation on this passage of Scripture. Uh, so thank you for this investment. Uh, leaders, really quick before we wrap up, I have a couple of announcements. Just some really quick information. Uh, I need you to mark your calendar August the 6th and August the 13th, two very important Sundays back-to-back. -back. On August the 6th, after the 1045 worship service, we're going to invite all life group leaders, preschool through older adults, uh, into a training, uh, a, a, an afternoon of training. Afternoon, really, is not quite that long. Uh, but uh, as soon as service is over, we're going to feed you lunch. We'll wrap up by 2 p.m. Uh, we'll do a large group gathering, and then we'll divide up by age, uh, graded divisions, preschool kids, student ministry, adults, for a little bit of training. We are committed to being done by 2 p.m., so just mark that uh, 
on your calendar, August the 6th, and, and also um, August the 13th. That's a really big Sunday church-wide. Uh, we're calling it Kickoff Sunday. Uh, that Sunday is a big day. We're going to celebrate. Uh, we're going to do, much like we did last year, we're going to do group pictures. We'll have all that set up. Uh, we're going to partner uh, adult life groups with next-gen groups for you to minister to them throughout the year. Uh, just know that there is a lot of information that's coming to you, but I just want to plant the seed here. Uh, there's more. You'll get more information about it. So, uh, But seed planted. Uh, thank you again for taking time to listen, and uh, we will see you on Sunday.